So we're in a series right now, as this cool graphic shows, on the book of Proverbs, okay? The way of wisdom. Um, And as I've kind of been studying for this sermon a little bit, I continue to be amazed by the book of Proverbs, which is something that no one really says. Um, And and the reason is because every day that I get to prep for this, I'm kind of learning something new. about this book that, like I said, is so well known, like everybody knows the book of Proverbs, but no one really knows anything about it or what's in it. Um, And I'm not just learning things, but my heart and my faith are being strengthened by what I'm coming across. Because when you learn about the Bible, so like in in y'all's generation and what it is is, you know, all right, you've taught me the Bible, now teach me to apply it. What does this have to do with me? Why why are we learning this? in the college class one time, we went through um, the end of the book of Ruth. And like, we hadn't really applied it. And one of the students says, why are we learning this? And I get, I get what he meant by that. But the problem is we can't really understand that if I can't apply it, then it must not matter. And that's not true. Learning about the Bible, learning what the text means, learning how the whole book fits together, that helps you see it more clearly. So you can have more confidence in it. And when you gain confidence in the Bible, you gain confidence in God. And so tonight, we're going to do kind of an overview of the book of Proverbs. So we're going to hit a lot of specific verses all throughout the book, okay? So everybody do me a solid, if you can. Caleb, you're uh, excused from this because you got food in your hand. So take your right arm and just kind of stretch it out real quick. Yeah, feel that? You feel that? Feels good, doesn't it? Okay, I do the left arm. There we go. You wonder why we have a weight problem as a nation? I'm pretty sure this isn't cutting it, but it is what it is, okay? So everybody, one more thing, arm circles, everybody's good? Okay, cool. We're doing a lot of turning. That's not at all what I said. Uh, we're doing almost, Noah, almost. Boy, maybe we need to do a whole different uh, series after this, but now that we're all loose, we are going to do a lot of turning. I didn't want you guys to pull anything or, or pop anything out of place. So Let's talk about Proverbs, okay? And for those of you who are new, we don't do that, we don't do that every time, but maybe we should. I don't know. Maybe we should. Um, tonight we're talking about the book of Proverbs, and we'll hit some specific verses, so let's just kind of do a little bit of an overview first, okay? Proverbs is part, of what's ca- is part of what is called the wisdom literature in the Bible. And you may not have heard that before, but you know the wisdom literature. Wisdom literature is a section of the Bible that holds together Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. They're all together in your Bible, and that's not random. They're all together because that's the wisdom literature section. They're grouped together because, for two reasons. Number one, they're the books that most frequently use poetry. Okay, They're the books that most frequently use Hebrew poetry. But the second reason they're grouped together is because they're co- the common theme in all five of those books, kind of the common thread that links them all together, is this idea of attaining wisdom in specific areas of life. Each book, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, each one addresses a specific area that you need wisdom in. J.I. Packer says of the wisdom literature, listen to this, the Psalms teach us how to worship, Job teaches us how to suffer, Song of Solomon teaches us how to love. You guys know I'm big on the book called The Mingling of Souls? That's, That's from Song of Solomon. Ecclesiastes teaches us how to live, And the book of Proverbs teaches us how to act. So you see how each one kind of addresses a certain area in life? So we're on the book of Proverbs. So let's kind of dig in. Um, And and if you're confident in this, just raise it. Just do it, girl. For those of you who stink at your quiet time, 
If you know quiet time is like your Bible reading time or your time in prayer with the Lord, if you stink at quiet time, raise your hand. It's okay. I know we don't got a bunch of missionaries in here. Okay, good, yeah. Okay, raise, put your hands down. That feel good? Get that, get that out. Um, Proverbs is the book for you if you stink at quiet time. So here's why. Proverbs is the book for you if you stink at quiet time. Because you look at Proverbs and you think, oh my gosh, like 31 chapters. <laughs> I ain't reading this, Ryan. Well, listen, you're in luck. Because Proverbs isn't meant to be read all at once. So now if your parents are like, why aren't you reading the whole thing? You can look back and say, because my preacher said I'm not supposed to read the whole thing all together, Mom. Don't say it like that, but you get what I'm saying. Proverbs isn't meant to be read all at once. Now, if you read it all at once, is that a bad thing? No, of course not. Um, but I know there are a lot of you in here, and I'm in here too, where maybe you can only read a little bit of the Bible at a time. And after that, your mind starts to wander. You've kind of bitten off more than you can chew. Uh, it becomes too complicated. The book of Proverbs is exactly what you need. Because at first glance, it really does look like the book of Proverbs might have been written for people in Israel who had ADHD. So let me show you an example. Proverbs 20, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at you, girl. Proverbs 20, verses 1 through 4. Let me show you an example of why I think Proverbs might have been written for ancient Israelites with ADHD. Here we go. Proverbs 20, 1 through 4. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever becomes intoxicated by it is not wise. Okay, verse 1 is about drinking either in moderation or not at all because it leads to trouble. All right, makes sense. So we're with drinking, moderation, not at all. Moving into verse 2. The terror of a king is like a growling of a lion. He who provokes him to anger forfeits his own life. So we were, we were with alcohol for a minute, and now, now there's a king involved, and he gets angry, so we don't want to get him angry. And then verse 3, keeping away from strife, or fighting, keeping away from fighting is an honor for man, but any fool will fight or quarrel. So there was alcohol, but now that now there's a king, and you're, we don't want to make him mad, but anybody who gets in fights is, is wrong, so that's not good. Now we're in verse 4. The lazy person does not plow after the fall, so he begs during the harvest and has nothing. So we went from, let's just be sure we're all on the same page. Verse 1 is drinking in moderation or not at all. Verse 2 is behaving properly inside of power. Verse 3 is don't be a disruptor, don't agitate people. And then verse 4 is about laziness. In no way are any of these things connected. In no way do any of these verses go together. How, how can you read all these together? How are they all connected? They're not. This section of Proverbs is not meant to be read that way, as if all verses are connected. Here's how it's divided up, and it's divided in a lot of ways, but just a quick overview. Chapters, so Proverbs is 31 chapters. Chapters 1 through 9 are longer because they set the stage for Proverbs 10 through 31. Okay, So just split it into two sections. Proverbs 1 through 9 are longer because they are setting the stage for the shorter sayings in 10 through 31. And 10 through 31, for the most part, not all, but for the most part are short sayings and phrases that you're meant to read and think about one at a time. Does that make sense? The very definition of a proverb is it's a short saying that comes from long experience. A short saying that comes from long experience. These people have experienced so much. Solomon wrote most of them, not all of them, but these people have experienced so much. And out of all their learning, they've boiled it down into one to two sentences or one chapter for you to benefit from. 
Now the point of Proverbs, the whole point of the book, is laid out in chapter 1. So flip over or scroll to Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. And we're just going to read the first four verses. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 6 is what lays out the whole, why do we write Proverbs? We're just going to read the first four verses. So Proverbs Proverbs 1, 1 through 4. The proverb of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel... For the gaining of wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction, for good behavior, doing what is right and just and fair. Verse 4, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. So look at verse 4 again. For giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and direction to the young. Proverbs 1 says this book is for the simple. But simple doesn't mean foolish. Simple just translated means naive, as in you haven't gone through a lot of life yet. Later in verse 4, it gets more specific. Did you catch it? It says, to the young. So look at me. This book is meant specifically for the youth, the young people, the teenagers, the cool generation of Israel. It's a short book for students that you're supposed to only read in little pieces at a time. This is like the dream book for you guys from the Bible. And the point of it is to teach you what's called wisdom, okay? Everybody go, ooh. Yeah, it's pretty cool, right? So, for example, one more and then you'll get to take a break. Flip over to Proverbs chapter 26. Proverbs 26. Um, now, this is what wisdom, a lot of people have a lot of different definitions for wisdom. Here's just kind of my best shot at it. I think a good definition of wisdom is this, knowing what to do in difficult situations, okay? Knowing what to do in difficult situations, because you could be, like for all my young drivers, you may have like done really well or not so well on your permit test, and then maybe you did okay with the parallel parking and backing into a spot and keeping your blinker on and all that good stuff. So you know, you've got the knowledge of what to do, but then once you get out onto the road, you're coming up on the construction site, you don't exactly know, the red light is blinking and it's a construction site, what's the speed limit? You, you have knowledge of what you're supposed to do, but you haven't actually worked that out yet. That's wisdom, knowing what to do in a difficult situation. And that's where Proverbs will help you. Not with driving, but you get what I'm saying. So Proverbs chapter 26, look at verses 4 and 5. Here's an example of wisdom. Verse 4, Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you yourself will be just like him. So, that, so there's the rule. Don't answer a fool according to his folly. If he's, if he's just being ridiculous and foolish, don't answer him. Don't give him the time of day. Okay, got it. Look at verse 5. Answer a fool according to his folly. Or he will be wise in his own. Okay, now, okay, so verse 4 says, don't answer the fool. Verse 5 says, answer the fool. Which one are we supposed to do? Well, it depends on who you're dealing with. And it sounds like, ooh, Proverbs, but you know this, right? Is this the kind of person where if you answer him, it'll help put him in his place and set him straight? Or is he one of these other people where as soon as you correct them, they start snapping back at you with another reason, or they just like retreat into their shell and just like curl up and die, right? You have those two different people, and they're both foolish, but Proverbs is saying wisdom is being able to tell which fool are you talking to. Are you talking to the fool that you need to treat him like verse 4 and address this? 
Or are you talking to the fool, like in verse 5, where it says basically just kind of let him tire himself out, and don't an- or vice versa, right? So, all right, Proverbs is saying wisdom is being able to tell what you're dealing with. Here's another thing to understand, okay? And this may not be a big deal for you guys now, but it will be later. Because I think you, a lot of your parents probably treat Proverbs like this. Proverbs are meant to be taken as Proverbs, not guarantees, okay? Proverbs are meant to be taken as Proverbs, not guarantees. Here's why. Um, and this is where you get the option. But I, if you would, that would be awesome. Proverbs 10.22, okay? Proverbs 10.22, this is something that, and this is something that you've heard all the time. Proverbs ten twenty two, it is the blessing of the Lord that makes one rich, and He adds no sorrow to it. So the blessing of the Lord, okay. So Junior, fill it in. The blessing of the Lord will make you. What was that word? Wealth. Yeah, will make you. You say wealth. That's good. No, that's fine. So rich wealth. That's the blessing. So the sign from God is that you're going to get loaded, right? You're going to be rich and wealthy, and it's going to be awesome. And this is what people preach on TV all the time. God wants you to have your best life now. God wants you to, what's best for you now? God's going to bless you. He's going to give you this and this and this. And it comes from this proverb. But you see, here's the issue. The very next chapter, Proverbs 11.4 says, Wealth is worthless in the day of judgment, but righteousness delivers from death. So Proverbs 11.4 says, Wealth is worthless in judgment, but righteousness delivers from death. Proverbs 11.28 says, Whoever trusts in in riches will fall, but the righteous will grow like a tree. So you've got Proverbs 10. If you take it as a guarantee that God will make you rich, then if you're not rich, God must not be blessing you. And you see how that leads to doubt and anxiety and all this other stuff? But Proverbs 11 makes it clear to us that it gives us wisdom to handle this blessing. Riches are not the point. They don't last. They don't hold up. And we, can base God's, we can't base God's love for us on something that doesn't hold up. Another proverb says, if you train up a child in the way he should go, he will never depart from it. So if you train, and, and if you train a kid right, they're never going to act out. Okay, right? But here's the issue. You know, King David's son Absalom tried to kill him. Adam's son Cain killed Abel. Jacob was trying, like, Esau tried to kill Jacob. Again, all these different, and they're brothers, but I'm saying Isaac's sons. So what is the deal? How, how, we can't take it as a guarantee. Proverbs are not meant to be taken as guarantees. They are meant to be read as lessons that are helpful. It is good and helpful if as a teacher, as a small group leader, as a parent, you train up the child in the way he should go. That will be so helpful. It's helpful to know that God will bless you. He will. And sometimes that blessing is physical. Sometimes he rewards giving with getting. Sometimes he rewards you with a good job or a great house or, you know, a ball in Christmas one year. Some of that, you know, that all comes from God. All that money that helps with all that, it comes from the Lord. A good meal, all that stuff. So yes, God's blessings can be physical, but Proverbs also teaches us not to put all our hope in that. So we can't take them as guarantees. We take them as Proverbs, as helpful phrases and lessons. Here, now let's get, let's get to the thing. Proverbs are meant 
are not meant to be read as guarantees. They are meant to be read as lessons that are helpful if you follow them. They are wise things to do and learn. Wise things to learn. And here's why this is important. Over and over and over in the book of Proverbs, it says how you need to learn. Over and over. Proverbs 7 starts with this. My son, keep my words. Store my words within you. Keep my commandments. Guard my teaching. Write it on the tablet of your heart. Stay close to wisdom. Proverbs say over and over and over that you need wisdom. You need to know things in order to do well in life. You need to know how do you act in this instance. And so often in the church, we think that faith is the opposite of that. You don't have to learn to have faith. So often we think as a Christian, it's all about having faith, and you don't really have to learn anything as long as you just believe. That's like saying, you don't have to know anything about her, you just have to love her. Well, how can I love her if I don't know anything about her? And that's where we meet our problem. One pastor at, another, at my brother's church said this, in school, we expect students to learn algebra, geometry, and pre-cal, not this guy, They're expected to write 10-page papers in history classes. They're expected to learn how to debate and interpret in their English classes and read several books at a time. They're expected to learn the history and geography of other countries as well as other languages. And yet when they come to church, we treat them like they're stupid. And this is so true. Youth ministry in America is Dave and Buster's with a devotion at the end. But here's the issue. There are things, there are verses in the Bible, like Isaiah 118. And you don't have to turn there, but in, if you, unless you want to. I'm not going to tell you not to. In Isaiah 118, God says to Isaiah, Come now, let us think together. Let us reason together. He doesn't say, Come, let us play oceans again and believe together. He doesn't say that. He says, Think about what you believe. Isaiah is in front of God. He's in the throne room of God in this chapter. He doesn't need to learn anything else. But God himself says, now that you're in front of me, now that you're worshiping me, it's time to think. And if that's what happens in God's throne room, then you can best believe it's going to happen in church. It needs to. God doesn't invite you and me to just mentally check out when we worship. That's why Ben and I and Ricky and I meet to talk through what worship looks like for you guys. Because it's, a ma- it's all about using this to influence this. Using your mind to influence your heart. The book of Proverbs is God's way of saying, you must learn these things. At our church, some of you may know that we started locking most of our doors at about 1045 on Sundays. Not because we think there's any imminent danger or anything scary. It's just a wise safety precaution. Within the next year, we're hoping to have maybe a couple security cameras at different parts of our campus. And again, it's just a wise step. Now, wait a minute, though. Security camera, locking door. What, what about faith in God? 
uh, myself and Bob and another guy, we were at a seminar one time on church security, and the guy running the seminar mentioned a person at his church who said, we don't need security cameras at our church. And the guy was like, well, why, why do you think that? And the guy said, well, because God will protect us. Okay, we believe that too. We believe that God will protect his church, okay? So why lock the doors of them? Well, let me give you an example. That's like saying, God is going to save me, so I don't need to go to church. I don't need to listen to sermons or Christian music, because God's just going to save me. I don't need these sermons to save me. Well, of course, God's going to save you. But let me ask you, how is he going to do that? He's going to do it through a song or a sermon. He's going to use books written by people. That's why we push books so much here. He's going to use friends witnessing to friends. He's going to use crossings and collide and summer camp and SLU. Church trips organized by people. God will use people. God uses earthly things to carry out his spiritual purposes. Protecting his church is a spiritual purpose, but how does he do it? Through earthly people. People who build and install cameras, who make laws, who lock doors. Earthly things to carry out spiritual purposes. Another example. There are thousands of Christian families all over the country, and I wouldn't be shocked if there were some in this church, Thousands of Christian families all over the country who don't believe that we should use medicine. If God, God will heal them. We have faith that God will heal them. And if it's time for them to die, it's time for them to die. Or if he doesn't see fit to use this medicine, or if he doesn't see fit to heal this person, he won't heal them. They don't use medicine. We don't need medicine because we have faith that God will heal. So here's where this lack of wisdom, instead we just have faith, we don't have wisdom. This misunderstanding really comes to cost us. We don't need to lock our churches. God will protect us. This lack of wisdom, instead of just faith, this lack of wisdom has cost us. Go to Proverbs chapter 6, and I want to I kind of rebut this. Proverbs 6, 6 through 8, and this is what Bo actually talked about a little bit last week. So Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. I'm going to explain what it's about, and we'll, we'll go from there. Go to the ant, you lazy one. Consider his ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer, or no ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. This is so, what, there's an ant, there's a captain of the ant. What is happening? This is financial advice. Look at verse 8. Yet it stores its provisions in the summer and gathers its food in the harvest. So it stores for summer, getting ready for winter. It's saving up to get ready for the lean times. This is financial advice. Use your means and your money properly. Verse, verse 7. It has no commander or overseer. In other words, no one telling it what to do. It's a self-starter. It's motivated. This is prime wisdom and financial advice. And nowhere is the word faith mentioned. It's all knowledge and wisdom. God, through Solomon, uses an earthly example of an ant to help teach us. He uses earthly things like people and books to help us spiritually. 
He uses earthly examples like an ant to help us financially. Why would he all of a sudden not want you to use earthly things medically? Like medicine when you get sick. Well, he's given us faith. Yes, he has given you faith, but wisdom is how you walk that faith out. Wisdom and So you have faith. Well, how are you supposed to put it into action? Wisdom and experience are the legs that your faith walks on. Wisdom and experience is how your faith takes action. And this is why Proverbs is so important, because Proverbs isn't just a book on wisdom like a coffee table book, like those thousand words and phrases. This is a book full of writings from people who have been living out their faith and they're trying to help you do the same thing. Wisdom is God-given faith meeting human action. Wisdom is God-given faith meeting human action. Turn to Proverbs 9 and we'll close out. This is why wisdom is so important. This is where the book of Proverbs becomes so important. Proverbs chapter 9. So let me kind of give you why this is important. Remember, we talked about Proverbs is divided into two big sections. 10 through 31, but 1 through 9. So 9 is the last part of this section. So it's really getting you keyed up for 10 through 31. Does that make sense? Proverbs 9 is getting you ready to kick off in 10 through 31. And in Proverbs 9, there are two banquets, two big feasts. And you have to choose one. You're being invited to both. And the banquets are between two people, Lady Wisdom and Lady Foolishness. Look at where these banquets are. Let's do wisdom first. So Proverbs 9, 1 through 3. Wisdom has built her house. She has set up its seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. Here it is, verse 3. She has sent out her servants, and she calls from the highest point of the city. So Katie Leonard, where is she calling out from? My theologian. The highest point of the city, right? There's where Lady Wisdom is. Now, here's where Lady Foolishness's banquet is. Proverbs 9, 13 through 14. 13 through 14. Foolishness is an unruly woman. She is simple and knows nothing. Verse 14. She sits at the door of her house on a seat at the highest point in the city. Cindy Caravana, where is foolishness's house? Also at the highest point of the city. Here's why this is important. Do you know why, of all the places, do you know why they're at the highest points of the city? Because this is where you built your temple in ancient times. Think about it. It's the highest point of the city. So it's the closest thing to the heavens. That's why the temple would be at the highest place. It's the closest thing to worshiping to your gods. These aren't houses at the top of the hills belonging to wisdom and foolishness. They're temples. Proverbs 9 is setting up the rest of the book by telling us choosing between wisdom and foolishness is a matter of choosing which temple you want to worship at. Foolishness isn't a mind issue, it's a heart issue. And wisdom isn't a matter of intelligence, it's a matter of worship. 
That's why chapters 10 through 31 have been written, to help you learn wisdom. Because to be wise in life is to act out your faith. You make decisions based on what you believe in. I'm going to go do this right now, this bad thing, because in the moment, I believe I will get more joy out of this than I will if I lay out and don't do it. You see how there's belief rooted in that? And, and my parents do this all the time, and I'm sure you've probably done it, and I've done it too, but you'll see on TV, like you'll see some guy get, get caught doing something so dumb, and you're like, how could you be so foolish, Right? How could you be so foolish to think you would get away with something like this? To kill this person this way, how could you possibly, why would you do this? How could you be so foolish? Proverbs is telling us foolishness is not a matter of your mind. It's a matter of what you're worshiping. This is why wisdom is so important. Because there's, there's a lot of gray area in relationships and dating. A lot of you already know. There's a lot of gray area when it comes to figuring out jobs and schools and the future. There's a lot of gray area when it comes to dealing with mom and dad. And then, because they're flawed, they'll be the first to tell you. And then how they deal with you. All these in-between areas, all these gray areas, that's where wisdom comes from. If only there was a place that specialized in wisdom. There's 31 chapters right here. And the second half of them aren't even chapters. They're just little pieces for you to take and hold and take and hold. And the next day, take a couple more and hold them. If you're going to read Proverbs, I would highly recommend starting in 1 through 9 because this is where they lay the foundation. And then 10 through 31 is how you take it piece by piece. Also see this, last thing. Did you notice how in Proverbs chapter 9 there are only two temples to choose from? There is no third temple of, well, if you choose that temple, that's cool for you, and if you choose that temple, that's cool for you. I'm not really into all that. Proverbs doesn't position it that way. There are two places to choose, two temples to worship at. So if you don't go to this one, it's because you're going to this one. You're always worshiping something. You're always worshiping. When you go home, you will be worshiping. What's the thing that you cannot wait to do when you get home? What's the thing that drives you every day of your life? Resting, watching TV, playing a sport, dating a certain person, spending time with the Lord, whatever it is. There is something that drives us. There's a, you know, people in ancient times, a banquet was huge. Because it's not like in America where you can just go shop and buy everything that you need. Banquets took weeks of planning and tons of finances to be poured in. You didn't get to eat like this all the time, right? Your staple was like bread and fish, maybe, if you live near water. To have a feast is huge. What's the feast in your life? What's the thing that you can't wait to go to, the temple you can't wait to be at? That's what you worship. And that's part of why church on Wednesday nights is so important. And Sunday nights and Sundays and Bible study and small groups. Because slowly over time, you're growing in wisdom. Slowly over time, we're training your heart to worship at this banquet. So there are only two temples to choose from. God or foolishness. Let's pray together.